Hello, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of Cape Sports Now. I'm Steve DeJerian alongside Matt Goisman. Matt, you just said it a moment ago, then there were four. Pretty much. We have four teams left in the state tournament, plus a few teams uh, in heading to All-State for cross-country. But we got four teams that are all going to be competing in either state semifinals or sectional finals tonight, uh, Monday, or tomorrow night, Tuesday night. And these are all big games that we're both really looking forward to, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And for those of you who don't know, those teams would be Barnstable Volleyball, Bourne Volleyball, Nasset Boys Soccer, which actually plays later today, Monday, uh, for those listening, and um, my blanket, D-Y- Dennis Yarmouth Field Hockey. Geez, you think I know these teams by now. Dennis Yarmouth <laughs> Field Hockey. Uh, it should be a lot of good action. A lot of these teams, I think we expected to make this stage, yeah. given their success during the regular season, but obviously they've all worked very hard to get to this point. There's really no givens once you get to this stage. Absolutely not. You know, the, Every one of these teams is basically two games away from a state championship. You have... Barnstable, Bourne, and D.Y. are all in the state semifinals. And then Nauset is in the south sectional finals. But in Division Two, there isn't a state semifinal. So if they win this, they go right to the state championship. Or the MIA technically calls it the Eastern Mass Championship. But it's it's a state it's title. It's north versus south. So Central and West just don't have the number of schools right. to field Division Two. But to my field. mind, if those parts of the state can't field teams, then you are by de- default better than them too. So... It's the highest game you can win, so it's a state championship. Absolutely. Um, uh, why don't we start with volleyball definitely. over the weekend? Barnstable volleyball absolutely dominated against New Bedford for the second straight year. A three nothing sweep uh, to win another sectional title. I believe that's how many now. It's I think that's twenty four. Twenty four. So yeah, just right? <laughs> the, the dynasty rolls on. And what really stood out to me in this game was that. It wasn't necessarily Riley James was leading away. It was her younger sister Tegan really yeah. had a standout performance. Might have even been her best match of the season. Yeah, I mean, she had eight aces, which matched a uh, season best for her. She did it against Notre Dame Academy a couple of weeks ago during the regular season. But yeah, I, Tegan, like, with all due respect uh, to uh, Brote last year, who was a really good setter, I, Tegan has brought some really interesting things to that position this year. I think her serving ability is really really good for a freshman you know she was hitting the ball with these really strong jump serves that would they were these line drive balls that would barely go over the net that would die and land right in the middle of the court which if you've ever played volleyball there's kind of it's thought of almost as the sinkhole in the middle of the court between all six positions where if you can put the ball there a lot of teams that are not confident serve receiving will just stare at each other and it's actually a pretty hard spot to defend and New Bedford really struggled with serve receive I mean the kill numbers, I think Riley had 24 or something like that, so they were really good. But Barnstable won this game at the service line. They mm-hmm. took New Bedford's offense completely out of the game, did it immediately, I think got the Whalers' heads down pretty quickly in that one, and really. And Tegan led the way at the, at the service game. Mm-hmm. And I think you mentioned a part that kind of goes unrecognized sometimes is how much that coaching staff, and, and you mentioned it here with the rotations and mm-hmm. stuff like that, just how dialed in they are and how oh, yeah. much they're able to creatively scheme to take away, not only take away other teams' best players, but just to just maximize um, the rotation and, and subbing in people in the right spot. And there really is no weak spot. <laughs> no, no rotation. Even when you put Riley James, arguably the best outside hitter in the state, even when you put her on the back line, mm-hmm. as you just said, their service has been outstanding. Right. I mean, and it basically took out Janice, uh, is it Leo? Leo, no, yeah. I say, who's going to be at Division One Miami next year. So, they're almost like the Patriots said. They'll take away your best player and yeah. make you beat you with somebody else. <laughs> exactly. You know, they identify, you know, New Bedford had some, I think they had some players missing, and so they had to 
mix things up on defensively that they wouldn't normally do. But Barnstable recognized that immediately and went at, you know, they picked on the weak spots that they saw. But yeah, you know, for one, there's no argument. Riley James is the best hitter in, in state history. I mean, she's mm -hmm. the career kills leader. She holds the record now. She's got sixteen seventy something at this point. Um right. So they're going to play uh, this Franklin. Tuesday at 5 p.m. Actually, it is a, road, a natural yeah, road Franklin game. Yeah, Franklin gets to host a state semifinal, <laughs> which is maybe a little sketch, but whatever. And for what know. it's worth, the MIA is in Franklin, so who knows? Maybe a little collusion there or something. <laughs> <laughs> the central office of the MIA I'm, is I'm calling in for an investigation. But, there you go. <laughs> but yeah, Franklin is 20-0. and zero. Uh, They won uh, the, uh, the Central West. They're undefeated, but it hasn't been the easiest road for the Panthers through that sectional. They weren't the number one seed. And they had to go to five sets every uh, time in the uh, tournament to get to the state semis. Barnstable hasn't dropped a set this season. So I certainly think Barnstable seems like the more dominant team. But with Franklin, the, the players you have to watch out for. So uh, their best hitters are Ellie Wisniewski and Maggie Doyle. Uh, Wisniewski is also their best server. So I would kind of expect Barnstable to try to take her out of the game. Um uh, Doyle is a really good blocker, so they may try to hit away from her. They might try some slide stuff where they move Riley over to the right side or or try to go maybe middle even less than they normally do, and they don't they don't hit middle very much. They really mm -hmm. rely on those outsides of Ingrid and Riley and do some outside some right side stuff with uh, Dorian Funk as well. Uh, and then uh, their libero Riley Marino has 216 digs. Um, so it's kind of them versus a Barnstable offense we've talked about a lot. It's Riley James, it's Ingrid Murphy, Tegan James, who I think is going to graduate with over 2,000 assists and just looks more and more confident in every match. Um, we might see something from Sophie Strzok. She's usually good for a few kills. Emily Mulcahy, too. Um, and then the winner will get either Lawrence or Newton North in the state championship, which is Saturday at Worcester State University. I think most of us expect Newton North will win that one, um, setting up a rematch of last year's semifinals where Barnstable was also undefeated, hadn't dropped a set, and Newton North swept them. And that would be, I believe, a rematch of the 2016 state yeah, title they've, game. They've, I mean, they pretty much won two in the state. Yeah, <laughs> D1 has pretty much been Barnstable, Newton North. Right. Andover has been part of that, that conversation for a number of years, but weren't really this year. Right. Hopkinton always feels a little bit kind of like the 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 team that's left out because they just they can never quite get far the, enough. The redheaded stepchild, as, as they say. No I, I don't know if I want to use that term, but they're definitely a school that's always seems to be ranked very highly no, in the state in the regular season, yeah. and then can't get it done quite well enough in the postseason. So, uh, you know, this year it was the same as last year. Barnstable beat Newton North in the regular season. Both years, their top player Ashley Wang was not available due to injury. So again, we'll see if she can play in the state semis and we assume state finals. Does Barnstable have enough this time to do what they couldn't last year? Uh, and I think certainly Tegan James, what she's brought is one way in which Barnstable is a better team than last year. Yeah. And I think one way they'll be tested too is that, look, you're at Franklin, you're in a state semifinal. I mean, I can imagine Franklin's going to bring a pretty loud section too. I think so. And but I don't think nerve has ever been an issue for Barnstable, but it's no. certainly a unique scenario where I mean, Barnstable does travel well, don't get me wrong. Sure. But at the same time, you know, you're still dealing with other teams' gym. They know the different ways to play it and whatnot. It's a pretty brand new school, so I'm pretty sure the court's not going to be an issue. But um, but they know the rafters and the It's going to be loud. And... It's going to be a, it's going to be an intense atmosphere. And I think if they can serve the way they've been doing all season long, mm -hmm. they'll be just fine. But if they struggle with serves, 
and they fall behind in like an early set, right. well, that could be a little cause for concern. So we'll see how they start. If they get off to a good start, get to a good rhythm, I think they'll be just fine. I agree. I mean, you were at that Newton North game last year, and I, as I recall from your story, that was their issue, is Barnstable committed a lot of unforced errors, yes. and that was they were trailing Newton North every set, and they just couldn't come back. Right. Whereas against New Bedford, they jumped out to leads of like 7-1 and 10-2 in the first couple of sets and just took New Bedford out of the game completely. Right. So I know we're talking a little bit about revenge, you know, possible uh, Barnesville new North rematch, but obviously this is even a... When I saw this matchup, I was like, whoa, all right, we got an <laughs> interesting semifinal with Bourne Volleyball playing Frontier. Yeah. Indeed. These two teams met in the state championship last year. I know you were at that match. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're really good... Simple question: Can Can Bourne get over the hump this time against a team that knocked them off? It'd make for a great story, but no, for sure, it's certainly going to be their biggest challenge of the season. Absolutely. So that match—that's the D three state semifinals. That's Tuesday at five p.m. Bourne is twenty-five and one. Frontier, the West champion, is twenty-one and two. You know, you look at this year's Bourne team, and statistically, there are a lot of ways in which this team is even better than last year's team. And last year's team was really, really good. You know. Emma Fenn and Cami Mackinac are both back. They both are putting up better numbers in terms of kills, in terms of aces than last year. Um, the serving, I think, is really where Bourne has taken a, a big step forward. They already have more aces, uh, that's seven, uh, 74 more aces, and they've played like 12 fewer sets. So there's aces per game, aces per match. That's all up. They're blocking more shots. That was a huge part of their win over Case um, was – I think they had seven or eight blocks in the match, which is a season best for them. They're getting more kills per set. Their digs are better. I think one of the best decisions Andy uh, Mather made last year, this year was to move Madison Stuck from outside hitter to libero. Mm-hmm. You know, Stuck is right up there with uh, the last year's libero, Leah Heidenfelter, in defensive skills. They're about the same in digs per match. But her 121 aces combined with what Mackinac's done at the service line They've made Bourne one of the toughest serving teams in the state, right. and that's really been critical to this, their success. You know, Fenton is hitting, I think, with more power. She's more consistently getting over the ball and really kind of smacking it down the way real power hitters do, less kind of punches and arc shots. Uh, at Mackinac, she's cut down on her errors. And then Kylie O'Connor has kind of replaced what Stuck did in terms of kills. So that's just kind of brought out more diversity and more variation in the offense and giving them more really strong rotations. I mean, one of their best rotations is when Stuck is serving mm-hmm. and they've got three really good hitters up front. Um, you know, with Frontier, Leah Davin- Lauren Davenport, excuse me, is the best player for them. She's got 300 kills. You also got to watch out for Olivia Dean and Ashley Talega. Dean is their best server. Talega is their best blocker, so they may try to hit around her, stay away from her. Uh, and then you got to watch out for uh, Riley Isler leads the team in digs, and Elizabeth Fuqua has over 500 assists. The winner will get either Austin Prep or Wittensville Christian in the finals. I know uh, Wittensville Christian's kind of White, Wittensville Christians are the really <laughs> they really screw that. I know well, a I've lot of people don't for, for people who don't grow up around here. It's the same thing, so I don't blame you for that. But I grew up about five minutes from Wittensville Christian, so I... all right, my <laughs> bad. I've mispronounced that my entire uh, no, life, no, quite possibly. You're not the only one. Don't worry about it. Um, you know, just talking about Bourne, you know, they, mm-hmm. they've really. I think Coach Andy Mather, he's been really tough on them and the, down this stretch, and I think it's kind of just preparing them to say, look, we need to be on our A game, and we're not, we're not going to beat this team, and we're going to fall short of the state championship. So 
hopefully, I think that's all been building to this point. Mm -hmm. I think at this point, there's really not much more you can do to prepare yeah. other than just, it's just execution. execution, right? And, and you mentioned serves are going to be big, just like I said with Barnstable. You can't make unforced errors against a good team. Right. They're going to come back to bite you. And you Which is what happened in the state right. championship last right. year. I mean, Bourne didn't play its best, and they mm -hmm. trailed the whole time, basically. Right. And, you know, we mentioned during the week that some of these games leading up that Fenton was sometimes out almost um, some of these sets. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that was rest. I don't know if that was some sort of just trying somebody out in a different spot. But I would be very surprised if that trend stuck, um, stayed that yeah, way. That, I would think that Fenton would stay in there for as long as possible. Yeah, whatever happened in the South semifinals was done by the state finals. I mean, Fenton played all of her rotations. They right. sometimes take her out in the backcourt because... Mm -hmm. yeah, get someone else in there to serve. To, well, she serves, but oh, uh, she's real tall. And when you're right. really tall like that, it can be hard to get low to pass. So mm -hmm. There are other probably better defensive options when mm -hmm. she's in the backcourt, and her hitting is not really useful in the backcourt anyway. So right. she'll sub out some, but she played the entire match. I mean, she played mm -hmm. every rotation up front, and she served every time it was her turn to serve. Um, you know, this is a frontier team that's kind of run Division Three in a lot of the same ways Barnstable has owned Division One. So this is a really big challenge for them. This might be effectively the state championship. It, it could very well turn out that whoever wins this may have an easier match in, uh, you know, whether it is Austin Prep or Whitensville Christian. Um, but this is definitely a game that I think a lot of these born players are very motivated for, and they really want to to get over the hump this time. Absolutely. Let's turn over to field hockey. And yep. the one game where I keep saying I have no predictions because I really do see this one going as either way. That's going to be DY field hockey coming in at 19-0-3 mm -hmm. versus the nine-time defending state champion uh, Watertown Raiders. At 20-0-1, yep. that's the D2 state semifinals at 7 p.m. Tuesday in Braintree High School. Hey, that's the same spot as last yeah, year. Yeah, I know that field. <laughs> uh, deja vu in a, in a lot of ways this year. Um, mm -hmm. Winner of that game is going to get either Oakmont or Greenfield on Saturday at Worcester Polytechnic Institute. A lot of Central Mass. Uh, yeah, really. State Worcester's gotten a lot of love that's from by, the MIA this year. By design, I guess, when you get a AAA ball club going there, other <laughs> other things will follow. Anyway, uh, so Watertown beat DUI last year's in the same spot last year. It was a mm -hmm. one nothing game. Even though it was a loss for DUI, Summer Walsh from last year's team said it was their team's best game of the season. Sure. And that's pretty telling coming from the loss that, that ends your season, you know? Right. Um, they did everything they could to score. Except, or they did everything they could except score. Mm -hmm. And they were going up against a goalie who's at Boston College yep. this year and actually playing at Boston College this year, mm -hmm. not just sitting. So, I mean, the Dolphins out-cornered the Raiders, which obviously is going to be big again this time. It was 8-3 at halftime with, with the corners and... They put five shots on goal. They only allowed three. So, I mean, they put that pressure on the Raiders. Yeah. But what's, I think, telling is that even though there's only four seniors that Watertown lost from last year's team, mm -hmm. DY's offense is just that much better this oh, year. Yeah. With especially Kayla McGaffigan. Kayla McGaffigan. You play Santa McGaffigan about. with Kayla McGaffigan as a freshman, and she's just been unstoppable. I mean, yeah. there's no other way to put it. 33 goals this year has already surpassed her sister's total from last season. I mean, clearly Watertown's going to throw the gauntlet. They're going to yep. put everything they can on McGaffigan. So, but if I'm DUI, I say bring it on because at this stage, you really can't change too much. Right. You need to just go with what got you there. And then if it's not working initially, yeah, you, you put, throw some tweaks in, throw some adjustments, and hope that other players like a Lily Holmes, who I'm expecting to really step up and have yeah. a big game. Um, if she can get it going as well as Kayla, that, that's really going to be telling for right. them. And then maybe, maybe we see some stuff from Abby Hicks. Maybe we see some stuff from Shelby Dunn. I, Shelby Dunn and Renee Levesque, the two like senior midfielders, I think 
a lot of this game could come down to them. Absolutely. Last year, I thought Watertown really controlled the midfield mm-hmm. well and really did not give up a lot of like easy passes and movement up the field. A lot of the reason that DY's defense hasn't been te- and Delaney Gallagher haven't been tested this year is because Levesque and Dunn are so good at controlling the midfield <laughs> that there aren't a lot of real long drives into DY territory. Watertown is probably going to do that, and so it's going to be an interesting test to see how the defense responds. But if Levesque and uh, Dunn can really prevent those kind of clears and upfield passes, they can keep a lot of the pressure on Watertown, which we've seen them do. You know, those games where they get 25 corners or whatever, those are because the midfielders never let the ball pass the midfield line. Yeah, I could see this game going one or two ways. Either... And I know this sounds crazy because in field hockey, you expect a lot of one nothing games. I could see this going either a scoreless tie that goes to overtime and potentially penalty strokes, right. or one that's even some like a 3-2 where one team scores and the other team still is able to respond because I think both teams have the talent to actually answer sure. if they go down. And especially with DY's improved offense that hasn't backed down at all. Right. I think that's a possibility. Now, on the flip side, DY's also had some scoreless, some 0-0 results yeah. this year. But you can't win a game zero to zero. No, <laughs> it's gonna have to uh, determine by something. Even if it was, you know, penalty strokes right. at the end. But you're right with with Dunn and, and um, Agurkus in the midfield. I think that's going to be huge. Mm-hmm. Um, in ter- because they're kind of like the quarterback of that offense. Yeah, they see the Dunn field especially, and they set it up. Um, so we'll see what happens. Delana Gallagher's been great all year. He's only given up three goals. I don't mm-hmm. think Dy gave up a goal in the sectional tournament no i don't think so but a lot of that is because they didn't face a lot of pressure you know they're giving up uh you know when they played i think i can't remember who their first round opponent was i think Uh, dover sherburn right yeah dover or duxbury something but in the first one they gave up two corners Mm -hmm. you know just two shots on goal and they were quick in the early in the game too i think it was one in each half Um, okay or unless i'm thinking of the quarters whatever the point is that defense doesn't give up a lot they don't have to face a lot We'll see what happens when Watertown brings it a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. But Watertown gave up a goal, uh, I think, in the uh, South semifinals or the South quarters, and they had to win that in overtime. In overtime. Yeah. So they can be scored upon. They're not mm-hmm. indomitable. Right. Uh, but this is probably the biggest challenge DY will face this year. If they win it, they probably this will. This is a state championship. Yeah, I think, I think they'll be favored against whoever they face, uh, whether it's Oakmont or Greenfield. But just some quick numbers on Watertown. So they have they've ripped off forty nine straight playoff victories. Yeah, um, their lone tie though this year. They and you mentioned they're not they are vulnerable in a way was to Lexington, albeit mm-hmm. that's a much you know larger school. Right. Um. But again, the Raiders only graduated four seniors from last year's squad. Catherine Connors is a really solid scorer, but they also Watertown also has a freshman phenom um, themselves. Uh, Taylor Lambeau, uh, she had the winner against Manchester Essex on Saturday to give Watertown its tenth straight sectional title. Mm-hmm. She's just as effective, too. So you, you kind of see um, almost mirror images, in a way, of right. these teams. Um, and Watertown's not play, afraid to play physically. Their senior, Olivia uh, is it Lampasona, had three cards sure. Saturday. And Watertown actually had to play down in the last nine minutes of that game. So wow. um, it's a team that'll be physical. and It's not going to be afraid to commit those fouls, maybe mm-hmm. throw DY off. So if you're DY, you got to stay composed. And, uh, sure. And D.Y. is pretty physically strong. I True. Mean, Lucy yeah. Gurkis. Can... Some hockey players in there. Yeah, including the McGaffigans. So. <laughs> Ice hockey players, that yeah. is. Um, so, yeah, that'll do it for field hockey again, 7 p.m. Tuesday at Braintree High School. Um, let's turn it over to soccer. The yep. one game we have today, the Nasser boys going for their second 
uh, sectional title in three years going up against Walpole in the mm -hmm. D2 sectional finals in a way almost acts as the state semifinals Absolutely. just in terms of how Division Two works, as you mentioned on the top of the show. That's at 2.30 p.m. today at Canton High School. Um, these teams do see each other a little bit in the preseason. Mm -hmm. and Walpole's come down to a lot of these Nosset preseason clashes. Yep. Usually Nosset's come out on top, and I mean you can't read too much into the results of the preseason. Mm -hmm. Um but I think what's interesting is that Walpole did sort of the dirty work for yeah. Nostad this year. They knocked out Oliver Ames. That's the team that beat Nostad in penalty kicks yep. in the state semifinals last year. That was the first round. In the South semifinals. That's what. Sorry, the South semifinals. Um, that was the first round, and then they beat number three Milford, and then upstart number ten Westwood in, mm -hmm. in the uh, so semifinals. So three upsets, three because they're right. lower seeded in all of those. Now Division Two, we talk about this with Falmouth a lot of times. Sometimes some of those seeds are a little skewed. Yep. Because a lot of these D2 schools are playing Division One competition during yep. the year, Nosset included. I mean, their first game was against Somerville, in, in which uh, Nosset won. Mm -hmm. Somerville, right? Yeah. I, I honestly can't remember. I, I, it feels like so long ago. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, but I did get to see Nosset play Saturday, and I, I really liked their attack and up front against Foxborough. Um, it was a little tough with the wind swirling, mm -hmm. but it, you just had that feeling that their opponent, it wasn't a matter of, if Nasa was going to score, it was a matter of when. Right, yep. <laughs> they just had that look of determination. And Avery Santoro, their leading goal scorer with 18 Absolutely. goals this year, went out and scored in the 12th minute and really just, I think, took the collective pressure off Nasa that, I hey, agree. this is the same spot we were eliminated last year. Yeah, we're not going to let that happen again this year. Mm -hmm. They just put uh, Foxborough on, on its collective heels early on. And that left a lot of room, too. You know, Santoro has doubled a lot of this game. They'd have one guy marked on him, mm -hmm. another guy kind of shadowing him. Right. But that left a lot of room for Ronald Brown, so they call him Bobby, which is kind of interesting. <laughs> um, but but Brown really, I think, is in a way their biggest scoring threat out there just because of his pure speed. He can take the ball at the sideline really well. I know McCauley likes guys who can run the ball into the mm -hmm. corner and beat their defender down the side and can either cross it or just make some sort of play and put some pressure on the defense. But very good speed, and he's a finisher too. You know, <laughs> and, and Again, he can just make plays. You know, Nasset again, they got on the board first, and I think if they do that again against uh, Walpole today, I don't think there's going to be an issue, and I think Nasset will be playing for its second state title in three years. I agree. One of the things that I think that Barnstable Volleyball, DY Field Hockey, and Nasset Soccer all have in common is that they, during the regular season, they try to get as tough a schedule as they can. They seek out mm -hmm. off-cape teams that are really going to challenge them. You know, and when we look at the two teams that played Saturday and lost, Cohasset, I'm sorry, Nantucket Boys Soccer and Sturgis West Girls Soccer, in some ways I attribute that to the fact that they both play in the Cape and Islands League. They have to basically only play league opponents because the league is so big, and they really don't get to test themselves during the regular season against off-Cape uh, opponents who tend to be really strong teams mm -hmm. and tend to play a little bit differently, I think, and tend to be maybe bigger schools because all of the Cape and Island schools are kind of D3, D4. Uh, and I think if those programs want to move forward a little bit, they maybe need to find some way to schedule more off-Cape competition or maybe the Cape and Islands League needs to divide in half and do a big and a small school, which they've experimented with, just to give teams more of an option to schedule other kinds of schools. Yeah, absolutely. And with Sturgis, I mean, we've talked about this, is that there's kind of always that inherent issue of yeah. you're going to get kind of a new batch every season, no matter what. Yeah, I mean, and people you, are going back and forth, and it's hard to build a youth chemistry and bring everybody into that school. Because, yeah, because you have no feeder program, <laughs> exactly. you have no junior high, or any, so you can't, you don't have anybody that you can teach a system to right. the way, 
you know, the Dennis Yarmouth football, they teach that system to their little kids in the right. junior Dolphins, so they already know it when they get to Or the uh, soccer varsity. example with Nasset boys especially. Right. Or um, sandwich field hockey, which right. does the same thing. Um, I think Nantucket's more of that issue because, again, they're not getting as much out of playing, and no offense to the Cape Cod Academies of the I world. It's just, say, it's, yeah. just a, it's just a mismatch, and I think anybody yeah. who's being honest will say that's a mismatch. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying teams can't be prone for mismatches, but if you're Nantucket, right. I think you're right. You want to try to schedule some of those schools, even like a Nosset or something like right. that. I mean, the Vineyards played in the Nosset before, so it's not like it's an island issue. It's just a matter of... Um, like, again, getting the schedule that's going to help you in the postseason. And on the girls' soccer side, you saw that. You know, Hull knocked off Montemoy and then obviously Sturgis West again. Mm-hmm. It's just a very good program. Absolutely. And, and you get that from playing bigger schools. We'll see what happens. So I, th- I think this is finally going to happen this year where the ACL basically breaks up, where Marshfield goes <laughs> to a new league and the other four Cape schools and Barnstable all join the Cape and Islands and form a higher division. So maybe that provides the opportunity for some of these teams to at least – play somebody new, somebody that's a little better, somebody that's a, a bigger school or that's got bigger kids. You know, certainly Nosset already schedules Barnstable mm-hmm. uh, just to get their kids tested against a program that's got better numbers and, and can sub a little bit more. But right. So we'll see if maybe that's the opportunity. But I really think if Nantucket and Sturgis West want to grow their programs, they have to find some way to play some teams that mm-hmm. aren't in the Cape and Islands Absolutely. League. Absolutely. Just to finish my point on Nasset, so I think what I'm going to be really looking for today is their defense, which I mm-hmm. think has had some very strong halves in the second half. They yep. were, they did give up a goal late. It was kind of a garbage time goal. You know, I'm sure they don't view it that way, but <laughs> right. um, they've had very strong halves, but I'm really interested to see, and I've seen flashes of it when they played New Bedford, a full 80 minutes of just relentless defense yep. where the other team just doesn't have a chance. Mm-hmm. Maybe they get one shot from deep in net, and, that, and that's all you get. Um, and that's going to start with senior captain Adel Talabi, who I think has had a lot of bright spots this year. But He's an All-American. Absolutely. Um, guys like Nolan Ellard have also filled in well in that back line. And, and McCauley really focuses on the midfield when he talks with defense because it comes to the guys like Benny LeBranch who are mm-hmm. basically pushing the ball to the offense and just yeah. keeping it away. Keep it away from the other team's strikers mm-hmm. and make them come up the field and try to get through Nasset's defense, which plays a high line. Yep. They basically challenge you, okay, try to beat us you know, up the flanks, right? but you're not going to beat us up the middle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, we'll see if uh, how that works there. Walpole, though, they got off to a slow start, but Clearly, it's a team that's playing its best soccer at the end of the season. Um, it's a team that's also used to tournament play. They won the sectional title in 2013. I know that was a while ago, but they've made it back every year since. Mm-hmm. Plenty of experience. You know, Alex McLean's a big weapon on set pieces. He has long throws. And McCauley's big. Guys like Talabi who can also throw the ball oh, yeah. from very far. So that should be interesting to see, especially if there's wind up there today. Although it seems pretty calm. We'll mm-hmm. see what it is up in Taunton. Or excuse me, up in Canton. Um, and that long throw that McLean is, is able to do actually led to the first goal Saturday. Right. So we'll see how that plays in. But senior captain Aiden, Mur- Aiden Murray is their big scoring threat. And Dennis Crowley, also senior captain, very talented goalie. So, mm-hmm. um, again, if they can break him early, I think that'll um, set the tone the rest of the game. Very cool. We'll turn over to football. So Saturday we have the Island Cup. That's Martha's Vineyard at Nantucket. <laughs> yeah, that's at 1 p.m. Uh, so this is a series that started all the way back in 1953. Nantucket has the edge in the season, uh, this series record, and uh, there are 36 wins. Uh, Vineyards had 30, and there have been three ties. Now, that's despite Martha's Vineyard winning the grand majority of these games since the turn of the 21st century. Nantucket won it in 2016 pretty easily, and then it didn't happen last year. Martha's Vineyard just 
they got too hurt, their numbers were too bad, and the kids they had left were too too young. Inexperienced, yeah. You know, they were freshmen that would have been playing against seniors, and the uh, that team kind of determined it was just it was unsafe for them to play the game. A lot of Nantucket kids were really disappointed in that. I know, I'm sure there were Vineyard kids, seniors who wanted to play in that too. So the fact that this game is happening, that Vineyard is able to compete in it at all, that is a sign that program is going forward. But Don Herman, you know, he's extremely competitive, and I don't think that's the mentality he wants his kids to have. Still, I think the Vineyarders are facing a a pretty big challenge in uh, the Whalers this year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you look at what Nantucket's put together, and I, I know they struggled. They, they've lost two straight, including the uh, the sectional semifinals. Yeah, Abington. Abington. They lost to Nassen in a tough one this past week. However, Devontae Usher wasn't playing, so right. it's a bit of a question whether he'll be healthy enough to play this time around. But I think if Usher and then Burton, who's been filling in, yeah, obviously he's been up and down all year, so you, you never really know exactly what's going to be the attack for Nantucket. If for some reason both those backs are out, well, then maybe that changes things a little bit. You Maybe. got Victor Gambaroni, he's yeah. a very strong back, but if he has to do it himself, then right. I think you create a closer matchup. But if one of those two backs, Burton or Usher, plays, yeah, I think Nantucket should be able to run away with this one mm-hmm. and uh, and win the Island Cup for the second straight time it was contested. Right. <laughs> Keep yeah. the Island Cup. I mean, Burton I and Gambaroni both scored in uh, that game against Nosset, so yeah. I would presume that they're healthy and ready to go. You know, Burton started the season kind of hurt, but mm-hmm. since he's gotten healthy, he's been really, really good for them. You know, with the Vineyard, look, they got their second win during those last three weeks of the season where they play non-playoff teams. Um, but really, I think for them to have a chance, they're going to have to play mistake-free football, and they're probably going to have to grab, I would guess, maybe at least two more turnovers than they allow. Mm-hmm. You know, the Nantucket offense averages about uh, like 28.8 points per game, so four touchdowns, basically. Martha's Vineyard has been held to two touchdowns or less seven times in uh, their for, in their 10 regular season games. So they got to find some way to score. I think Tristan Scheller and Ivan Shepard are going to have to connect and find you know find each other for some a bunch of scoring, and I think maybe Anton Maurice is going to also have to make a few plays for the Vineyards to have a chance. Otherwise, I don't know. My gut tells me this is not going to necessarily be the the closest final score. I, I could see Nantucket winning this by four touchdowns. Right, and and I think if you're the Vineyard, what's interesting is do you, do you try to stack the box? Because we mentioned before, Nantucket, is there may be weakness on offense is when they have to put the ball in the air. Mm-hmm. If, if John Herman could find a way to get his personnel, you stack eight or nine guys in the box and maybe almost force their hand to put it in right. the air, then maybe you have a chance. Mm-hmm. But if, if even if they do that and if they can't stop the run from doing that, then yeah, you're right. It's, it's going to be over quickly. Um, but I mean, credit to Martha's Vineyard. You know, with Herman coming back in, it clearly had an impact on that program. I think they started the year with 40. I'm not sure what that number is now because you know people fade throughout the year. Right. But obviously, it's enough to play the game, and I'm just glad to see that it's back. Definitely, and, and certainly one of the most unique rivalries, really, in all of, of the country. Oh, yeah. um, two island schools playing each other, and the Island Cup. Correct me if I'm wrong. With the first matchup was either before 1953 or is that when they started playing for the Island Cup? 53 is when it started. When the Island Cup started. Yeah. Had they I feel like they had played a couple games before that and I don't know what the overall series would be, but I I mean the overall record as far as I know is what I said at right. the okay. start 36-30 and 3. I don't know if they played each other before then, but the Island Cup officially that became a thing in 53. Okay. So, cool. 
So yeah, that'll be 1 p.m. Saturday on Nantucket. Um, check your if if anyone's on the islands, uh, check your local schools. I'm sure there's some deals. I think for mm-hmm. going on the ferry back and forth. <laughs> well, if you're from the vineyard, that is. Uh, let's wrap up with cross country real quickly. We have the all state meet coming up this weekend at Stanley Park in Westfield. Uh, the Nosset girls uh, they placed four in the top 15 in the D4 meet this past weekend to win an Eastern Mass state championship. Very impressive squad um, with Rachel Pranger, who's done a really good job leading mm-hmm. this team this year. Finished fourth overall in 1933.4. That's for 5K, 3.1 miles. Abigail Farrell, someone who met- we mentioned in the beginning of the year, yeah. has been really nice getting that top 10 finish. Really, I think, putting Osset over the top mm-hmm. in terms of points. I agree. Um, but also Izzy Nobley, Ella Kelly, and uh, Hannah Brunel have all been outstanding this year. Mm-hmm. And that's a really good squad and really good program. Uh, Carly Coughlin was able to sneak into the top 25 for DY. She was um, finished in 20 minutes, uh, or excuse me, yeah, 20 minutes, 41.8 seconds. Um, and then when you look at the vineyard too, they had five in the top 25 in their race. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe they won the division. Yeah, yeah, they they won the division five race with 84 points. Um, Adrian Christie led the way uh, for the vineyard squad. She was the only one in the top 10, mm-hmm. but. Um, just a really good performance on the girls cross country side. And I think we've seen that over the years that a lot of these programs are really building towards something uh, special when they get to these meets. Definitely. Um, on the boys side, uh, Colby Barnes, the top uh, boys individual finisher, he finished third in the division six race uh, in 17.03.2. Um, so he'll be going all state. Yep, yeah. He'll be there. Jacob Pearl was ninth for the Nosset boys um, in 16 minutes, 50, uh, yeah, 16 minutes, 53.8 seconds. So, yeah, we have the Division One, the Division Two meets. Um, I believe it's kind of split the large and small schools at yeah, this point. Yeah, it's, it's D1 through 3 and then D4 through 6. So pretty much They'll everybody all be D2. is D2. Yeah. Right. Um, just looking at this course map, you know, it could be a fast course. I mean, there's a downhill into mile one. Mm-hmm. It's kind of rolling hills in the beginning part. So runners might try to push it early. Right. The problem is once they loop around, they got to go back up that same hill again and then back down and sure. then back up. So pacing is, is with most of these races is of, is of the utmost importance. So um, it's a, it's a fun, it's a flat, it's a relatively fast course if it's run properly. Mm-hmm. But again, it all comes down to tactics in a lot of these races. And sometimes you won't see PRs. You'll see people kind of jostling for position and seeing where they can be at mile two yep. and finish strongly. So, you know, that's Sunday at Stanley park in Westfield. Yeah. Nasa was second, I think at section at divisionals last year and then finished second at all States. So we'll see if, the pattern continues of they won it this year, so they win it mm-hmm. uh, next time. You know, the East is usually a pretty strong cross-country division, but this course is probably a little bit new for a lot of them because there's not a ton of, like, hill training that's available in this area. But uh, we'll have the Vineyard. I think the Sandwich Girls also qualified, or cer- certainly Carly Coughlin will be right uh, from DY will also be competing. So mm-hmm. Emmy Eastman it was finished fourth. Yeah, so I Emmy believe Eastman, she, yeah, she qualified. I thought I saw on Twitter that Sandwich is a team qualified. Um, so we'll have to see with them. Uh, but certainly a lot of local entries will be in this meet. Cool. So I'll just about do it. Uh, the latest these teams of season can go, well, aside from cross country, is Saturday yeah. with the state championship. So uh, stay tuned um, to see where these teams will be playing. Um, you can always follow us on Twitter at SportsCCT. And if you miss this live show and you and you want to stay uh, up to date with the most uh, current information, you go to CapeCutTimes.com uh, slash sports. You can also find the podcast there at CapeCutTimes.com slash CapeSportsNow. You can also download the podcast on the App Score, App, <laughs> App, Score, App Store, Google Play, mm-hmm. um, and any other devices too. 
yeah, uh, through your iPhone or right. through Google. You can find us on Facebook at uh, facebook.com slash Cape Cod Times, and all of our episodes will be posted there. Uh, and you can follow us individually on Twitter. I'm at Matt Goisman CCT. That's M-A-T-T-G-O-I-S-M-A-N-C-C-T. And I'm also on Twitter at Steve underscore Derdarian, the last name D-E-R-D-E-R-I-A-N. Best of luck to all the teams this weekend. Have fun. See you next week.